following is a public service announcement from Save the Flybar. Don't let these flybars sit in the cold, damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts. Every day, the number of flybarless units increases dramatically, leaving flybars to squander away into obscurity. Not to mention the flybar paddles. Carbon, plastic, and all of those KBDD paddles hoping to fly another day. It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the flybar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a flybar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their flybar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLYBAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the flybar now. excited yes as usual <laughs> i have with me callum hey and rob hey hey callum and rob <laughs> what's up dan so let's see what are we going to talk about this week i don't know one thing i would like to mention right off the bat we interviewed chris lund from uh big sky cnc quite a while ago before urcha it is in this show we are going to be talking about the whiplash. And uh, Callum, before we get into that interview, I'd like to thank you for your outstanding contribution. I know, right? I was absolutely knackered, though. Come on. <laughs> it was like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Dude, Stop. that was like a sentence and a half of pure genius. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, this interview is a good interview. It's kind of a long one. I think it's uh, from memory. It's about 30 minutes. So anyway... What have we been up to? Uh, let's see. I don't really give a shit what Kellen and Rob been up to, so we're not going to really worry about that. But I'll tell you what I've been up to. <laughs> oh, insert response here. <laughs> so this week for me has been a great week of flying. Uh, I've learned two things this week. I've learned that I really like 20% Nitro in my T-Rex 600. And I've learned that version 3 on the Beast X kicks ass. Yeah, super fun. So on... Thursday, I went to the field in the morning. Guys called me up. We're heading out. So I show up, proceed to put 
can't remember exactly. I think it's 14 or so flights on the T-Rex 600. I switched over to 20% nitro. I bought a bunch of that Outrage fuel that uh, is no longer being produced because it was on incredible sales. So got like six cases of it here. I uh, I don't know what happened, but maybe it's I'm getting better at tuning. I'm telling you that motor has never run so smooth and yeah. just it's incredible. And so I enjoyed that. Now, uh, what you went from uh, what was it, uh, 30 to 20 percent? Went from 30, yeah, I was running the 30 percent outrage fuel. Yeah. And looking back on it, I think what I was doing was running it just too rich. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'm not, I know nothing about nothing. So when it comes to you know this tuning engines and stuff, it's kind of a guessing game for me. But, it was a little too throaty, huh? <laughs> yeah. So then uh, Friday. After spending a day or, you know, well, two days total, but in reality, 30 minutes setting the Beast X up, basically because I, my transmitter was uh, uh, the battery I let run down, and it kept shutting off in the middle of the setup, so I had to charge it overnight. Went through that with Rob and Dave Mullen, uh, helped me through that. You know, we've talked a little bit about the Beast X on the Vibe and how I wasn't really appreciating it with the version 2.0. The whole tail thing—it just didn't feel right to me. Yeah. So I went ahead and uh, put version three update per Rob's recommendation because he was flying it and really enjoyed it. I was going to wait for all you guys to do the beta testing before I did it, and uh, love it. Absolutely love that thing. I put 16 flights on that X5 on Friday. Yeah, and, that version uh, three flight is nice, huh? I didn't hardly have to do anything. I, I What I did do is I set it up initially. I just kind of copied, Rob, your, your uh, setup because you're flying the X5 as well. I copied your setup off the forum so that you, that you have on the... I guess it's in the Beast forum or is it in the X5 forum? Both. Okay. So I copied that and sure enough, worked like a charm. And I just hardly have had to touch anything. And it's just really been flying good. Uh, we'll talk more about that probably later in the show. Also... I know it's not heli-related, but I've been flying the shit out of this trainer plank that I got. Enjoying that. that. That's a that, lot of fun. That there is blasphemy. Blasphemy. I can't help it, guys. I, I, I was reluctant to give it a shot. I bought a trainer from one of the guys at the club. It's just so fun and easy to fly. Relaxing. And uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, also, on October 2nd, I don't know, you know if you guys are familiar with Five Finger Death Punch. I've heard of them. Yeah, they're they're coming to town October 2nd. I've got tickets. I'm going. Nice. Yeah. So other than that, let's see. Been flying. Yeah, lots of flights in this week. Close to 50. Flew today, and I'm flying again tomorrow. And just enjoying the piss out of it. Just having a good time flying. That's all I've been up to, really. How about you, Rob? What you been doing? I don't know. A little of the same, I guess. I, I just went back. to Today is my Monday at work, you know, but... Uh, Ironically enough, I uh, well, I guess I got I flew a little bit yesterday. I got this uh, little rig that I set up where I uh, I hook this wagon on the back of my son's power wheels, mm-hmm. and, and we put the X5 and some batteries and my transmitter in there, and then I walk and he drives his power wheels over to the park because he likes to help out and stuff. So then I, <laughs> you know, get three or four flights in over there and let him tool around outside the ballpark, you know, and outside the fence and stuff while I'm flying. So. Got to do some practice there, trying to practice shooting autos, man. I don't know what the deal is, but I just, I'm burning off that head speed way too fast, you know. So I got to practice that a little bit more, but uh, luckily I got her down in one piece. A couple of 
little bouncy landings, you know, here and there. And of course, you know how it is. You you don't land well. You're like, oh, I got to go back up. So, but uh, yeah, I had a good time. Been practicing a lot of uh, uh, backwards flying and stuff. I don't know. I just haven't been really good at that, I guess. So I took the time and I spent a pack or two just flying around backwards. So is this the same power wagon that has the infamous uh, LiPo conversion on it? Yeah, it is. It's the one with the six cell light poly instead of the uh, dry cells. And the one that you got chastised for online? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know if it was, it was kind of, I don't think it was fully chastised. I think people are like, you know, like the safety police come out and stuff like that. And I mean, let's face it here. You know, I've got like eight or 10 six cell batteries, a bunch of big helicopters, a couple of high powered chargers. I think I know what I'm doing with the light poly battery. You know what I mean? And so... And I know that I'm running more volts than the, the brushed motor in that power wheels can take. I bought the power wheel for two bucks off the neighbor, and the batteries didn't work in it when I got it. I spent yeah. like 30 bucks a pop for the batteries last time, and they died again. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take one of my old packs. I'm just going to throw it in this thing. I check temps and volts in the whole nine yards while he's playing with it, and I'm always there monitoring. But the point is, it's fun. The thing's fast. It's got punch. He likes it. Um, well... That was a nice uh, politically correct answer. I'm going to say chastise, and here's why. Let me give you an example. Okay. You write a po- and you can write a post about anything, right? You can say, "Oh, I made tea today," and someone's going to respond with, "Oh, geez, you didn't say anything about watching it, you know? Because if you don't watch that pot, it's going to get hot, and your house is going to burn down." You know what? I- what I'm getting at is people are going to t- they 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 just they assume that you don't think about these things just because you didn't mention it. Is what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's the just, whole digital to analog conversion when it comes to communicating on the net. Yeah, it, I just think people just jump at the opportunity to try to point out flaws in whatever you're trying to do without even thinking about the fact that, yeah, well, I considered the safety aspect, and I'm intelligent enough and I'm thoughtful enough to, to do what I need to do to make sure that whatever I'm doing is safe. Yeah, it's not going to kill me, <laughs> right? Right. So then there's Callum. Um. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what have I been up to for the past uh, week? Yeah, what have you been up to for the past week? Um, World of Warcraft. Oh. Yeah. Wow. You got bit by the bug, man. Don't blame me, it's your fault. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't play nearly as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, saying that though, this past week I did take delivery of a Furion 6, so... Yes. Yeah, I'll be getting up in up in the air soon. You gonna do a build thread for that one like you did on the Fury Fifty Five? Uh, no, it, I got it secondhand, so it's like pre-built and whatnot. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, I'll be definitely doing like um like videos and taking pictures, I guess, after I've done it. Hey, I got an idea what you could do with that because you know a lot of people buy used helis. You could make a little thread on here's what you should do when you buy a used heli and kind of document the building you know inspecting i guess process and uh making sure that it's flight worthy that kind of thing yeah i could do that's actually quite a good idea yeah. um dude stick around i'm full of them <laughs> for real well, just stick around full of all kinds of stuff right stuff <laughs> so that's about it we're, we're basically three pretty boring guys from the sounds of it uh yep so, so speaking of that uh, Fury on Six, you got what's going on with that Fury Fifty Five, man? What happened to it? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, she reached back, it hit the deck. It was pilot error, right? Nah. Well, 
a bit of mix, I guess. It, uh-huh. was a mecha- it was a failure. The battery became disconnected. But I, I blame my clubmates for that. Okay. In a, in a way. Uh-huh. As long as you don't blame yourself, it's okay. <laughs> well, That's no, cool. it's because like I'm doing all this smooth flying, this technical flying, and then like I swear I heard one of the guys say, "Oh, let's see some smack." So I'm coming down, doing some smack flying, and I smooth it out, coming to land. And next minute, like it's the, the V bar reinitializes and flight. I'm like. What the f? It's just bouncing up and down. Next minute, it just hits the deck, and I, I run over to it, and I see like the battery's disconnected, and I'm like, f. Oh. Hey, Rob, did you hear what I just heard? The, the V bar reinitialized in flight? Yeah. Yes. Wow. I did hear that, yeah. That's oh. because the battery disconnected. Right, right, right. Yeah. Does the V bar have a, like a quick boot feature? I don't know, actually. I don't think it does. Like if there's like just brown voltage, it's not doesn't lose voltage all the way. Well, I know it logs something in the in in, in the um, the logging function, the V bar that you got a voltage error. Oh, yeah, in, in, oh, you're talking about in the extra like more yeah. expensive extra gadgety stuff? Yeah, okay. Well, I think well if it logs that, it must still have power. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it just, I, well, I think the battery was disconnected more. Then you know that quick boot could quick boot. <laughs> it just yeah, like, got it. cold started. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was a. Now imagine if you were vertical and it did that, it would almost look like a like a synthetic TikTok going on there. You might have got away <laughs> with it. Nobody even known the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Is it time for news already? Huh. Dude, you need to quit moving around in that. Chair, I swear to God. Are you sitting in a Are you sitting in a wicker rocking chair, Callum? Dude, I, I got two, I got two words for you. Try lube. <laughs> I've actually got some sitting right here, actually. Use that shit. Use it. All right, guys. So we're gonna be back in a minute with some news. 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 If you don't check your balls, then your balls might fall off while you're flying. What the hell are you gonna do if your balls fall off of your helicopter while you're flying around in the air? Hanging out with your friends, talking at the flying field, and then lo and behold, you try to do a flip, and your balls pop off your swash plate. Then what are you gonna do? Break out the wallet, let your friends laugh at you, and then buy some better balls, and some lock types. All right, news. So what's what's happening out there? Uh, I'll start with news. It's not really a well. I guess it is kind of a news story. It uh, kind of involves us and a company in the UK called Optifuel. Callum actually mentioned these guys on the last show. They are. Uh, can you you can get the Optifuel packs in the UK? Can you can you Callum? Are yeah. they okay? Yeah. So they're available in the UK. They're not available in the US yet. From um, what I know, you can't get Optifuel packs, Dan. 
because they're opti power acts. Oh, thanks for the correction there, smartass. <laughs> My ass is pretty smart. <laughs> I stand corrected. So Opti, these Opti Power packs from OptiFuel. They're available in the UK, so you guys can get them over there, but we can't get them in the States. Yeah. They are going to, they are, yeah, yeah. They are going to start, they're going to try to break into the US market, which is uh, kind of exciting news. Uh, you may say to yourself, another pack company, another supplier, su- supplier, <laughs> another supplier of lipos? We have another supplier. <laughs> I just fall off. And this power is phenomenal. These are helicopters just fly like rocket. And the optic power will do the fastest one. There's many, many seas inside there. The hell of the seas, and so many seas, I have to call one a D. Okay. Anyway, I got in touch uh, with Andy. He's the CEO of OptiFuel. Talked to him a little bit. And he is uh, gracious enough to send the nation two 4,300 milliamp six-cell packs. Now, he's going to send these to Rob because, as we know, Rob is the resident idiot. I mean, electric guru. (laughs) (laughs) And so Rob is going to actually get these packs hopefully before the next weekend because I understand you're going to a fun fly. Yeah, Uh, yeah. From what it sounds like, they'll get here on the 8th and other order. They'll have connectors and other stuff will get on the 8th. So here's my plan is get FedEx, get the next FedEx, get the post office, solder some packs. My truck will already be packed up and solder the packs and drive up and set up shop for the fun play. Yeah, so Rob's going to kind of give these the test over the weekend at the fun fly. We're going to, you know, stick them in his helicopters. He's going to maybe get some friends to fly them, get some video, kind of show them off, see what they think. And we're going to definitely let you know. Well, Rob will definitely let you know what he thinks of them. Um, as he gets a chance to fly So look for that review. Gosh, I don't know, Rob, what, in a couple weeks maybe? Or is that going to be enough time? Or what do you think? Yeah, probably uh, give me about a week or two. I'll get a, some flights under them, you know, get some break-in flights at the fun flight easily. And I think it'll be nice, too, because, um, you know, up at that fun flight, people are flying, you know, Volts, your Gens Ace, your Turnages, you know, the the, the low stuff, the, uh, the blue Lipos, Hyperions. I got a bunch of Hyperion packs, and so... Uh, it'll be nice to put them out there and see people got thunder power too. So, uh, right. you know, we can kind of put them out and uh, just see how what they is, perform. What is the name of that fun play you're going to, by the way? We might as well give them a little. It's uh, it's for the North Country Model uh, Controllers is the name of the club. It's ncmcrc.org. Okay. Um, but anyway, the name of the fun play is the aptly named Fall Fun Play. Ah. Fall, yeah. Uh, but it's a pretty it's it's their field's biggest event. It's uh, we'll have airplane and helicopter you know pilots out there. It's three day three day event raffle uh, contests and stuff like that. And, uh, nice all around good time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, guys, definitely uh, you know keep a close eye on the webpage. And of course, I'm sure Rob will be making some videos on Next Gen RC. The it's not Next Gen RC, is it? It's just Next Gen, isn't it? On the YouTube. YouTube is Next Gen RC out there. Okay, so take a look on his YouTube uh, channel, subscribe to it, use it. He's got a lot of great information there. But look for that kind of stuff there, and we'll also have some information on our webpage. Uh, so what do you guys have? Um, I got some math. Eight cut in half is four. That's old news. I'm, I'm hoping you have some fresh news. Do you have some fresh news? That's, that's abacus-grade news right there, dude. <laughs> yeah. 
No, 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 for serious, though. The, I swear the, to God, I need to start drinking. <laughs> Here's a, I guess this one uh, um, just came out actually just the other day. This news, I guess the Futaba uh, 8FG's latest firmware, version 4.0, is now available for download. Uh, so you can update your 8FG to the latest firmware. It looks like they've got quite a few improvements. Uh, you should be able to get it right from Futaba software update page. We can put a link in the show notes to that for the sure. Futaba flyers and stuff like that. But uh, they've added some cool features. I think this uh, model quick select screen is kind of a cool idea. You can select up to four models from a, a like a special like home screen when you power it up, uh, which is kind of cool. They've got some uh, uh, some more timer alarm functionality that. Uh, built into this one as well. Low voltage alarm for the battery. Yeah, other cool stuff that Fataba owners would know about. But, uh, you know, I played you <laughs> No, but, I mean, it's, I mean, it's cool that you can do those firmware upgrades, you know. I mean, admittedly, I fly JR, the JR Spectrum side of things, and I really dig it, but I guess I don't really see a lot of granular updates. You know, we talked on the last show about granular versus large incremental updates, you know, but Fataba mm-hmm. um, seems to be more on the mark when it comes to molding their software uh, to meet users' feedback, you know, more rapidly or readily. And just maybe it's the platform that they have that makes it easier to do it, you know? I mean, right. the 8FG, it started out as an 8-channel controller, but everything they're doing is in basically software-based where they can push 14 channels out of this thing. You know, it's almost like you need more switches or something like that, but, it, you know, it's got all the room you need. But uh, I think it's Futaba does a really good job of being a lot more software driven than JR and Spectrum. I have to say it, you know, even though I fly those or the JR brand, you know, but do you know, Rob, what I enjoy the most about having these conversations with you? What's that? Every time that you and I have a conversation, I get to learn sometimes a new word or sometimes a word I'm familiar with, but in a, in an extremely different context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Granular, uh, you know, I've just never heard that in context to updates. But there was another one that you used a while back. We were talking about wiring. What was that word? Sano. Sano. Callum, Sano. are you familiar with that word, Sano? Nope. Oh. No. All well, right. Get out, so- your, get, get out your English douchebag dictionary okay. and you'll be able to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Callum, what do you got? What have I got? Well, uh, the first of September. Besides herpes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What? Who? Where? I think Callum's lost. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell us your news, Callum. Well, Spread the word. Spread the word, brother. I would if you just shut the f*** up. <laughs> <laughs> People aren't going to download our show anymore. <laughs> I know, right? It's terrible. <laughs> well, this is what happens when you get when you just let three amateurs have microphones and recording equipment. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, okay, right. I will do this. Okay. On the first of uh <laughs> It's your fault. Okay, right. On the uh first of September <laughs> oh, Okay, I'm gonna mute my microphone. <laughs> They're muting. Okay, right, I will do this, right, here we go, right. On the first of September <laughs> Okay, right. A few days ago, um, it was the start of September, and the beast up. Shit! Is this a funny news story about the V-Bar? It's, it's not. It's, it is a it's, genuine 
news it's update. It's a satire. Uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Anytime, anytime I hear conversation about the V bar, I start laughing as well. So I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think right. the Kool Aid's turned over there. V bar version 5.2. Mm-hmm. Or that, that adds uh, Governor Function to the um, Mini V bar, as well as adds a new auto rotation bailout mode for electrics that should work with every electronic speed controller. Yeah, basically that drives the motor low idle instead of actually turning it off, so you get a quicker, smoother um, startup. Kind of like uh, Cast Creations bailout, the auto rotation bailout they have. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Well, I got to be guys. When I read that, I from for whatever reason, when they said bailout, my mind went to like the Heli Command and and uh, Skookum bailout, but it's not like that. Upright? No. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> It's to not strip your main gear when you freak out and you decide to go back up instead of down. It also adds uh, a new correct compensation algorithm that's been improved, so complex maneuvers will be smoother and more precise. Um, apart from, oh yeah, and also the governor menu has been reworked. I think they've removed the electric curves function, so now it's uh, so setting up electric governor mode should be a lot simpler. Yeah, yeah, I heard some of the early reports that it was a little, it felt a little bit counterintuitive to try and set that thing up, but that's cool they they smoothed that out. Yeah, they've really made it more simple. Um, I can't really comment because I haven't updated my V-Bar yet because my Fury is grounded until I get it repaired. So um, as soon as I get it updated and uh, I've checked it out, I'll, I'll report back on it and let you know how, how it flies. Nice. Hey, Callum, did they build you a... Uh, Battery connector lock upgrade for your VR. <laughs> so doesn't automatically pinch pitch bump by itself or what? Well, the thing is, it would have been fine, but I didn't have the canopy on because I lost um, my canopy um, screw mounts. So you so you got all this all this wind hitting on the fucking cable. It's just waggling around, and it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was quite solid in there, and I was always cautious and. Yeah, the guy just like, oh, I'll do a bit of smack, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, and uh, yeah. That's yeah, shit. just luck of the draw that time, huh? Ouch. Uh-huh, yeah. I've got a rule about flying without canopies. Never do it. My thing about doing that is I, I lose orientation. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know what? On my little Gowie 200, the way the battery mount is... It's a battery plate that screws on at one axis so that it can it can be folded up or down as you as you change batteries or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the way it's designed, it kind of uh, it can work itself loose. And so I've flown without a canopy on that thing, and I don't know how many times I've pulled back to do a TikTok and then went to push forward, and the battery goes right up into the main blades, just hits the disc and starts shaving plastic off the protective coating of the battery and. Tearing up balance connectors and stuff like that. So, you know, after about two, three batteries worth of that, I learned my lesson finally, and so I don't fly without it. With regards to uh, orientation, uh, I mean, I can fly without the canopy on just as well as I fly with one on. Partly due to when I first started flying, um, I had like a Raptor 30, but the way the uh, the, the glow igniter was, and I didn't have a remote glow, and the engine wasn't very good, it was just cut out, and I was crap with tuning back then. 
saying it, it used to come out quite often. So what I used to do is I used to start up the engine and just leave the canopy off and just go fly. And so I kind of like learned to fly with that canopy. I've seen some of those early videos, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it baffles the guys down at the flying field. Like, oh, how can he fly like that? Oh, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. how can you see that? It's just, I don't know. It's just Because it's yeah. present in front of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm noticing that the news is kind of slow since search happened. I think everybody kind of waited to release everything, and it's kind of slowing down into the fall. So not yeah. a lot of news happening out there. But uh, I got a little... Uh, a little sleuthing, sniffing, kind of a not fully official yet, but uh, I guess the word is on the street from across the big pond is that uh, Gowie, they're, uh, what they're saying is that uh, you could look forward to having an X7 under your Christmas tree this year. I heard the same thing, actually. Yeah. So release is going to be, it looks like they're trying to release for Christmas, so um, that's actually... Uh, Perfect timing because it gives me a, a perfect reason to convince my wife that I should buy myself a Christmas present. Well, I'm thinking you should buy me the X7 for my Christmas gift, and I'll buy you one for your Christmas gift. There you go. Then it, yeah, then I'm not buying it for myself. Exactly. <laughs> then the wife doesn't have an excuse for me being selfish. I can say I bought Dan. <laughs> what a coincidence! He bought me the same one. Wow. <laughs> it's even got the same color canopy. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and we could save we could save the shipping costs by actually not shipping it to each other. There you go. Yep, just print the labels and and you could have you could have one of your buddies dress up in a UPS uniform and, and take it, knock on the door. Yeah, this came from Montana for Rob. Nice. No need to sign for it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Don't don't mind the fact that the printing or the shipping label is written in crayon. Don't don't that doesn't. <laughs> we use crayon now because the wax is biodegradable. <laughs> All right, guys. So we, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, had a chance to sit down with Chris Lund from uh, Big Sky CNC, miniature aircraft, um, co-designer of the Whiplash helicopter, which Callum is anxiously waiting to get his hands on as well, I could imagine. Mm-hmm. It was a great interview. We got to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what he does as far as, you know, outside of the helicopter worlds. He also flies some planks, as we all talked about. I learned a lot in that interview. This interview has uh, been a long time coming. So enjoy it. Good interview. Here we go. Uh, interview. <laughs> Dude, what are you typing? I'm leveling on World of Warcraft. Stop playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> you, you've got a problem. You, you need to do an intervention. Chris Lund. He works for Big Sky CNC over there in Billings, which is affiliated with... Well, I'm not really sure. They're not really affiliated with MA and Heli Pros, are they, Chris? They're just kind of working um, partners? Sort of. We're, um, we're part of the Flyco group. Um, in the, the facility in Bill, Billings houses um, several different companies. I happen to manage the, uh, uh, the machine shop portion of it, and that particular business is called Big Sky CNC. Yeah, what uh, what other businesses, for those who aren't aware, are, are included in that, kind of that envelope uh, under Flyco, especially there in Billings? I know they got interests all over town. Yeah, here in Billings, um, we have 
big spray CNC, heli pros, uh, heli wholesaler, miniature craft. I guess that's it for the uh, um, the company in uh, kind of the headquarters building. And then also part of Fly Code, Ron's Heli Pro South uh, down in Texas. And then uh, the uh, hobby shop over at Bozeman is called Rocky Mountain Hobby. They're mm -hmm. part of the same group. What uh, you mentioned, you're the you manage the CNC shop. Now, is that uh, is that specifically for MA, or do you guys outsource to other businesses in the Billings area or, or whoever may come to you? Uh, we do a little of both. Um, uh, Miniature Crafted uh, is our largest customer, um, but we do we do a lot of machine work for other companies. Um, some inside the, the RC heli and even airplane stuff. Um, as well as, you know, industrial stuff. Um, we run a few gun parts and um, pneumatic components, stuff like that. Uh, well, I got a chance to, to see the shop. I was actually in and was shown around the CNC shop at the HeliPros Funfly. Yeah. Pretty impressive operation. You guys have a nice nice little outfit going on there. And you, you went to school uh, for to be an engineer, that's correct, right? Yeah, I, uh, I went to college in Bozeman. Um, I'm sorry. Go Grizz. Sorry, had to be said. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we just talking about the cat? <laughs> yeah, chopping but, them up, uh, feed them to the bears. <laughs> but no, so I, uh, um, so I got a mechanical engineering degree um, at MSU over in Bozeman. Yeah, so and the helicopters then, probably spoke to you a little bit, I would imagine, huh? Yeah, I, uh, I've kind of always been um, interested in mechanical things. Um, uh, I also fly full-scale airplanes. Um, I got my pilot's license. Actually, I had to wait for my 17th birthday so I could get my license. Uh -huh. um, so, um, so I've been flying stuff big and small, and, and RC helicopters and just kind of any sort of mechanical gadget things I've always been interested in. Um, right. So I ended up in um, mechanical engineering school. Um, and then when I graduated... Uh, all my friends were taking jobs with like Boeing and Naval Shipyards and places like that, cubicle kind of jobs that mm -hmm. I wasn't overly excited about. And uh, so uh, I, I didn't have anything lined up when I graduated. And uh, there was a job that came up um, just south of Bozeman at a place called Hogan Machine. It's uh, a fairly large CNC machine shop that does big stuff, big parts, like downhole oil tools and, um, you know, chassis dyno drums, big, huge stuff. And it was just kind of an entry-level job, and uh, I had always kind of had an interest in learning how to machine stuff. Um, and I took a couple classes on that in college, but I still didn't know it all that well. Right. So I, uh, I ended up taking that job at Hogan Machine, thinking it would be like a summer thing, and I you know, just kind of see how how it went and try to you know see how all the different machines worked and stuff like that. And uh, a few years later, I was still there. I mean, I, I just liked it so well. <laughs> um, and and I had you know I basically started out running a bandsaw and I had worked my way up through to where I was you know managing the back half of the shop and doing a, a big majority of their CNC programming. Um, and stuff like that so um so it uh 
I don't know. It was just something that uh, that I liked doing. And uh, about 2000, must have been 2006 or seven, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved to Billings. Right at that time, Heli uh, Pros had changed ownership, and the new owner was talking about setting up a machine shop here in Billings to do helicopter stuff. And I just happened to walk in at the right time, and so we started. Uh, Big Sky CNC at that time, and then uh, since then we've been making making helicopter parts along with lots of other stuff too. But uh, I like I liked it the way you told it to me better uh, over there in Billings. It was kind of a serendipitous event. You're walking to the hobby shop to buy some parts, uh, Kurt. Yeah, and... yeah, it was. Yeah, the, uh, the I guess the first day that I met Chris, the new owner, and you know I, I'd been. A, a customer of Helipros for many, many years. I was actually in Billings removing furniture to town from Bozeman. I stopped in the Helipros just to buy, I don't know, parts or fuel or something like that. They just happened to be talking about this machine shop idea when I walked in, and so I, they came out of the office and said, hey, what do you think about a machine shop? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, some, some sort of stars must have been aligned that day. Yeah. Worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. So you moved over to start running the machine shop in 2007? It's time flies when you're having fun. It's, yeah. It must have been somewhere right in there, 2006, yeah. 2007. And then uh, while we were getting our ducks in a row, getting the, you know the, all the machine shop stuff set up, I spent not quite a year um, working just for Helipros. Uh, I was one of their phone techs. Yeah. So I, uh, I did get some experience um, working at Helipros, talking to guys and stuff. And sure. then once we, uh, once we got everything set up, then then I moved over to the machine shop, which was different location than where Helipros used to be. And then they built the big facility that, that you were at. Yeah. And then we all moved into the same building, which is awfully handy. You, you have you're playing a pretty integral part in these Whiplash helicopters that MA is coming out with, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we, uh, uh, Bobby Watts and myself, um, do pretty much all the design work for, um, for the miniature craft stuff now. Um, Whiplash is the, the first big project that, that Bobby and I, um, have done. So there's three versions of the Whiplash, uh, electric, nitro, and, and gasser. Out of those three, which, uh, which is your favorite? Uh, the gasser is definitely my baby. So gas. The gas stuff has really always been my thing. You know, coming from the airplane stuff, I've got, you know, giant scale airplanes. Yeah. Um, even in the airplane world, I've got rid of all of my glow stuff. Um, and my airplanes have just kind of gotten bigger and bigger over the years. I've got a couple 40% airplanes now. Wow. Um, we were uh, talking about your abilities as a plane pilot, but I got to see you fly those helicopters. Uh, I showed up a few days early to the fun fly. Uh and I actually got to watch you and Bobby watch just pound the hell out of those whiplash helicopters for hours. And uh, I got to tell you, when I first saw that gasser go up in the air, I wasn't really paying attention. I was over kind of doing my own thing, and um, I just assumed it was the nitro, and I took a closer look, and I uh, I wasn't seeing any smoke. And as I was focused in a little harder on it I, I was noticing that doesn't even sound like a nitro and then i started watching it 
And I said, but there's no way that can be a gasser. <laughs> that thing was just, that thing was, he, I, it, it was a 3D helicopter is what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a cool machine. It's, um, it's not like any other gasser I've seen before. We're running it just like a nitro. Um, we're running really high head speeds and, you know, banging it around. And, um, you know, it, it does way more than the nitro, slightly heavier than the electric, which, I mean, the electric's got so much horsepower, it's ridiculous. But mm. it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not either one of those two things. You know, it, with all the three whiplash models, they all have really cool things about them, um, and high points and low points. But uh, the Gaster, I think, is um, it's definitely going to turn a lot of heads. It's it's not just another you know weed whacker putting around the sky. That's for sure. Yeah, I was actually I got a chance, um, and you actually told me I could snap a few. But when I showed, I came by the shop, and uh, you guys were getting ready to. I didn't want to. I just kind of left you guys at your thing. You had them. You guys were going to shoot some video, but uh, I did get a chance to look at the gasser up close, and um, I can definitely tell it's a it's a departure from the traditional MA gasser look. It looks nothing like the Spectra. Yeah, and that's all of the Whiplash models are definitely, they don't have a lot in common with uh, the Stratus Spectra line. The uh, Really, the Fury 55 and the Furion 6 were kind of the first departure from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those two models were uh, simplified greatly. Um, you know, direct servo to swash linkages, uh, wide set frames, so there's no stacked frames or a you know, aluminum A-frames, none of that stuff. Um, just just a simple model that's rugged and, and flies really good. And, um, you know, Whiplash is kind of the, the next step in that uh, that thought process. You know, obviously bigger, but it's still, you know, we try to keep things as simple as possible and make them really easy to build and easy to work on and easy to fix when you crash. Cause... It's no secret, uh, miniature aircraft is kind of known for high parts count and expensive replacement. And you and I actually talked about this a little bit, and I guess you guys are kind of, uh, well, MA in particular is taking a closer look at that. And uh, I could tell you just by looking at the little bit I was able to look at, it uh, definitely didn't look like the, the parts count was too bad. I mean, obviously I couldn't see it disassembled, but... Uh, did you guys address any, any any of those issues? Yeah, um, yeah. The really the thing from from front to back. Um, you know, Bobby and I are guys that just like to fly. We right. don't like to fix things. We don't like to you know spend days in the garage, you know, working on stuff. Um, we're the kind of guys that just want to fly, and if you know if we dumb film it, we want to fix it as fast as possible and go fly some more. And that's that's really what uh, what the whiplash models are. They uh, they're simple in that you know you you can get to everything. You don't have to like pull the motor out to get to a servo or anything goofy like that. Um, you know all the all the tedious stuff we try to take care of. You know assemblies that don't really ever have to come apart and things like that. You know we don't have super critical crown gear meshes or anything like that in these models. It's uh, 
just enough to get uh, get the job done and and you know we didn't we didn't want to have a model that if you tip it over you know you have to buy a whole new kit <laughs> so <laughs> right so, the whiplash models are you know they won't be the lightest thing on the market but i mean if they either models that are meant to be beat around and if uh you know if you do tip one over yeah you know, you're probably gonna have to buy a couple parts but it's not gonna be a re-kit by any means I noticed that the uh, the the actual airframe just seemed, and it could have just been because it was the first time I saw, but it just seemed much larger than a ninety size. Now it was flying seven hundred millimeter blades, wasn't it? Uh, the gaps are turning six ninety. In the literature, we see that the airframe on the Whiplash Nitro ten percent larger than a typical ninety. Is that also the case for the Gasser as well? Yeah, all three are roughly the the same overall dimensions. The, the gasser is slightly taller. The landing gear sits just a little bit lower on the gasser, just be just due to the pull starter mainly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you do want to run the pull start on the bottom, you know, you don't want that scraping on the ground every landing. So, mm-hmm. so we did make that one just a slightly larger. Um, it's not much, it, maybe half an inch or something like that, but. Overall, it is a fairly big model. Um, the frames are a fairly good size, um, and the canopy is big. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that came from Bobby. You know, Bobby does a lot of contest flying and just a lot of flying in general. And um, he really likes to have a bigger model, um, just because it's easier to see. You know, it's sure. You know, all of the air inside the canopy doesn't weigh that much, so <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, um, so it's physically bigger, but it's not, you know, it's not by no means heavier than than most of the machines out there. So let's talk about engines in that gasser. Have you, what uh, what engines have you tried, and, and what engine do you think the production is going to end up with, the production the, uh, production model? Uh, production kit will have, you can basically put whatever motor you want in there. Um, we're running the um, toxic racing motors. Um, mm-hmm. It's a 260 that's in there right now, um, but originally I ran uh, I ran just a stock motor, just the off the shelf. Uh, I think it was a 270, um, and, and it works fine. You know, you're not going to take a stock motor and wrap it up near as high RPM as, as what we're running this this toxic motor. Yeah. But it's plenty to fly the helicopter. I mean, you're going to loop roll and you know do most of the stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to do 47 you know, aileron TikToks down the runway, a stock motor is just not going to cut it. But if you're a sport flyer that's just going to, you know, just wants to cruise around and you know, do some loops and rolls and fly upside down, stuff like that, you know, the stock motor will work just fine. And we'll have three, three different gearing options to accommodate all the different motors. The tallest gears will be a 6.5 2 to 1 and that one's probably going to be for the guys that want to run the you know the bigger motors the two 290s and the big you know stroker motors stuff like that yeah um you know the, the high torque low rpm motors um, you guys will probably be running the taller gears i think most people are be running the, the middle gear ratio is 6.89 that's what i was running on the stock motor it, it's just kind of a nice balance, you know. It's not wrapping the motor up so hard that it's going to vibrate, but 
at the same time it's not so tall that it doesn't have enough torque to pull through a loop or something like that so i'm guessing that's where people are going to run and then the third ratio is 7.29 and that's going to be for the guys that run the high rpm motors the you know balance 230s and stuff like that as you were trying these different uh, motors did you have any issue with airflow and cooling or does that is that problem not even going to be something we should be concerned about? Uh, not with the RC motor. Um, you know, there's there's really two options, at least just for the NOAA motors, there's two options. You can run the, the RC format motors, and then there's the PUH motors like you would put in a, a Spectra or right. one of those. Um, the cooling system that's on the RC motor is fantastic. It's got, like, the biggest cooling fan that ever was and a shroud that really, really does work. And the biggest thing we noticed with the RC motors is they're just, they're a lot easier to deal with. You don't have these really touchy needle valves and stuff like that. They cool so well that, you know, you just don't have to worry about frying your motor if you're a, you know, a screwdriver blade too lean or something. So we decided to go with that motor. it's a little weird in that it cools kind of upside down. The fan's on the bottom, and then it blows air up and then out the side. The way we have the motor, we have the motor set in that airframe with the spark plug to the back, fuel tanks in the front. So uh, we don't have to worry about blowing air in the, in the canopy or anything like that. I do know that Hansen is going to be working on a RC engine or motor for that. Uh, is Toxic Al, are you, are you guys going to have... Is there just going to be motors readily available for this, this, or uh, or is it, you know, are you guys working out something with uh, Toxical to to get some, I mean, I'm assuming the engines and the motor's not going to be in the kit. No, um, I don't know. In the past, uh, miniature aircraft used to sell a motor that was, uh, that was built by uh, TRM. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're going to do that again or not. Um, it's really, it's, it's up to the guys over at Miniature. I'm not sure... If, if any of the motors will go through miniature or not. We've basically just tried to kind of tailor the helicopter so it'll accept whatever people want to run, you know, the TRM, Hanson, you know, some of the stroker stuff, whatever. Um, yeah. It should all bolt right in and work well. When can we expect this kit ready for purchase? Do you have any idea? Are you guys close to having it uh, everything worked out? We're definitely getting closer. The nitro and the electric are slated to be released first. Okay. Um, with the gasser falling, you know, I wish I could give uh, specific dates for everything, but uh, at this point, I I can't. I'm kind of the wrong guy to ask. Okay. Um, it's definitely coming down the home stretch. I'm really, uh, I don't know. I guess I've just, I've really had my eyes on the 90 size electric world. It just seems to have been growing quite a bit lately, and there are quite a few models out there these days running, you know, 12 cell setups and whatnot. And I guess I just wanted to know. Maybe what makes the whiplash a little bit, uh, maybe makes it stand out compared to, I mean, the, the, the 90 size market's actually getting kind of big with the electrics, you know, and we got some that are pulling 14 cells now, so. The biggest thing about the electric is it's, it's just really rugged. You know, it, it has all the attributes that the other two have, you know, it's, it's, it's a big airframe, it's got a big canopy that's easy to see and all that stuff. But with the electric, um, you know, it's, the castle logs that Bobby's showing are 
you know, like eight and a half horsepower continuous and spikes up to like 11 or 12 is just ridiculous. It's phenomenal, yeah. The biggest thing with the electric, I think, is going to be the, the drivetrain layout that we have. It's, it's common to all three, um, but the electric probably takes the most advantage of it. Um, we actually moved the, the one-way auto rotation um, sprag bearing from the main shaft over to on the well on the electric it's on the between the pinion and the motor on the oh, other sure. two it, it's in the clutch stack so you know we're hoping to avoid all of the the sprag issues that some of the other machines are are seeing um you know we're running it on the low torque side of the gear ratio so on the electric basically you have a it's kind of a cup that sets screws to the motor shaft and then the uh, the sprag bearing fits into that and then the pinion goes into the sprag. So um, it's still a big heavy duty sprag and it's it's the pinion is supported above and below. You know, we're not side loading that shaft or anything. There's a bearing block that sits below the pinion as well. Sure. So um, so the biggest thing with the electric is it's it's just a rugged drivetrain. You know, you've got Mod 1 gears, you know, everywhere from the pinion main gear all the way back to the tail drive gear, so. Um, That's great. It's just, uh, and I guess the other thing is the, the way the bearing blocks are laid out in the airframe, the block the motor mounts to is actually bolted to a main shaft block, the center main shaft block, so it takes out any sort of twisting that could happen in the frame. So we haven't had any trouble with, uh, you know, stripping gears, anything like that. That's great. I know in the early days when this, the Align 700 first came out, it was quite a few growing pains until people started to learn more about what to expect with such large loads on these big birds. You know, with the electric, that, that motor is going to just keep trying to pull and pull and pull until something gives, you know. And yeah, it's great to see it, things like this coming out so robust, you know, and um, I see from, I just, you know, I see a couple of pictures here for the electric one, and it seems that you've got them, uh, uh, looks like they're just undercarriage mounted, right? The batteries? Yeah, they're, uh, the batteries are mounted underneath. Um, they slide in from the back. So okay. you, don't, you don't have to take the canopy off or anything to, uh, to swap out battery packs. Sure. It's just a, a very simple system. There's a Velcro strap that lay across there so you slide a battery in and then you know, loop the velcro through cinch it down and you're good to go so you don't have to mess around with trays coming loose or anything like that you know the tray that they strap to stays in the helicopter um, in the beginning we messed around with some removable trays and stuff like that and we just decided that it you know we spent more time fiddling fiddling around with that than you know doing anything so we might as well just uh you know, just slide the battery in and put Velcro around it. I mean, it's, yeah, might as well do that everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> One other question too: uh, Are these helis belt-driven tails, or are they going to be torque tube tails? No, they're all torque tube. They're all torque tube. Yep, it's a fairly simple, um, just an aluminum anodized aluminum torque tube. Um, the ends slide into the torque tube, and there's three bolts that hold them in. And then the end um, keys right into the the uh, plastic bevel gear. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, that's what, all there is. Again, what diameter is that torque tube shaft you got in that one? 
eight millimeter. Oh, that's that's great. Plenty of yeah. You don't have to worry too much about torsional stress, you know. Yeah, no, we we haven't had any trouble with uh, with the torque tubes at all. I mean, it's it's just a very simple system, and and it works really well. Our bevel gears, we're using molded um, plastic bevel gears, and they're quite a bit bigger than anything MA's used in the past. I uh, I guess I haven't paid enough attention to say they're the biggest on the market, but they're definitely the biggest thing we've ever used as far as diameter and pitch. They're uh, definitely rugged. I've unfortunately crashed the gasser twice now, and I'm still yet to replace any bevel gears. Now that, that gasser that I saw when I was there, is that the only... Uh gasser in existence at this point or do you have a couple other out being tested by other people uh that is the only gasser at this point in life you know the, the gasser project is kind of trailing the other two so yeah um, so hopefully that's not going to be the case for much longer um we'll get a few more you know, at least a couple more out there out there flying and you know get some of the team guys beating on them make sure everything's cool but they're so similar to the other two that I I just don't see any big problems come, you know, showing up with the gasser. Yeah, I think that uh, MA is really gonna kind of bring the gassers into the into more of a you know out out there out in front of everybody type way. I mean, a lot of people don't particularly they like the idea of the long flight times, the cheaper fuel, but they kind of cringe at the uh, agility, I guess, of the of that helicopter, the gasser helicopter when it's in the air, but I got to tell you, when I was watching that thing go, I, it was just astounding. And I think that uh, I, you know, I don't. You might be able to confirm this. Uh, you guys were trying to break that helicopter for the whole five days I was there. From what I heard, the only thing that happened was a stripped main gear on some uh, uh, throttle hold rainbows that uh, Bobby was doing. Is that is that true? Yeah. Well, no, uh, well, you're mostly true. The, uh, that was actually the electric. Oh, that was the electric. Okay, so that wasn't yeah. the gas. Yeah, no, the gasser, the gasser, and actually the the two nitros that were here, they didn't have any damage at all. Um, but no, it was the electric. He was, yeah, he was doing the um, these rainbows in throttle hold, and um, it's really a, a neat maneuver. He, you kick the motor on at the end for about a second and pull it back up and then comes over and uh, he clipped out a hold and for whatever reason the motor didn't come back on. Um, they basically autoed down on the head button and yeah. with really no damage. I mean, it, it came down, he had you know stretched it out as far as he could. The blades were almost stopped when it touched down in the weeds and just flopped over on its side and then... <laughs> Like a split second after it flipped over, the motor came on. Oh, jeez! <laughs> so, so, so that uh, it you know zipped the main gear off. <laughs> if, turns out if you uh, if you lay the helicopter on its side and flip a you know 12 horsepower plus electric motor on, you're gonna strip the main gear. Something strips. Yeah. Some, something's got to give. <laughs> something's got to give in that situation. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So on that electric helicopter here for testing, uh, what, are, what are you guys using for a speed control in it? Which one were you um, using? That one, uh, the one Bobby's flying has a, uh, it's got a castle uh, something. I, I I don't know which one. Sure, sure. Probably an HV-120 or something, huh? 
Yeah, HV something, 120, 160, I suppose. I, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Not very savvy on the, <laughs> on the electric <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Well, it's fair to say it sounds like you guys weren't roasting marshmallows, so obviously the speed controller is up to the task, you know. And I think anywhere between 120, yeah. 160 amps is plenty for a bird that size. Probably overkill. Yeah, it, it's really fun to watch. I mean, it's that thing's just nuts. He's been running it lately. He's been running it like 20, 50 or so on the head. Nice. It's just incredible. Yeah. So. Let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about this process a little bit that I, I just was kind of watching you guys do for those five days I was there, and uh, I was just noticing that you guys would come out and you would fly for ten minutes or so, and then you'd go back into the shop. Are you guys going in there and actually tweaking and making changes, or are just talking about what what just happened, or what does that process entail? Yeah, we were um, we were testing a lot of stuff while those guys were here. It's- you know, it's really nice to have the team pilots here in Billings. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but it's one of those unique times when I can literally, like, pull parts out of the machine, the CNC machine, hand it to these guys. They bolt it up. They walk, you know, six or eight steps out the door and try it. And yeah. um, and we had, we had messed with uh, a whole bunch of stuff. We were playing with different dampers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just kind of seeing where the limits were um you know for for a few different areas you know we have machines that are working well but not everybody's going to set them up exactly the same so you know we have to try all the different scenarios and make sure everything's cool so there was a lot of that going on that seems like a uh i don't know almost is it as fun when it's your job because those of us, you know, it's it's a hobby. It's kind of something that we look forward to do on the weekends. And we, we just imagined, wow, geez, to have that. You know, when I walked in and I saw all those kits and all those helicopters, I literally felt like I was in a mecca of helicopter bliss. But yeah, I got to, you know, I can't help but wonder. It's like anything else. Uh, you know, the only job I think that I would scream to every day would be like maybe a photographer for Playboy or something. I don't think that job would ever get all... <laughs> but does it do you get burnt i mean do you... yeah you definitely you definitely get burnt out with stuff um you know manufacturing remote control helicopters is is definitely not the easiest thing in the world even just from a machinist standpoint a lot of the parts that that show up in these helicopters are some of the most difficult parts around there um you know the not because they're you know, impossible to make it's just they're tedious you know every three millimeter tapped hole has to be exactly right you know every bearing pocket has to be exactly square to the world and you know all that stuff um so things you know when when things aren't going right on the manufacturing side of things it does get tedious and you do get burnout with that the biggest thing with testing you know the most frustrating thing with testing is you know, if it's your hobby, if you're having problems with a machine, you can throw it in your garage and not look at it for a week and kind of recharge and then come back and then, you know, sit down and, and look at it. When it's your job and you got a problem with a helicopter, you have to fix it right now. <laughs> you know, you don't have an option of just setting it aside and, and not thinking about it for a while. And that does get frustrating from time to time. But on the flip side of that, you know, we get to watch... Um, just, you know, 12-foot 
bars of aluminum come in the back door of the shop and four by four sheets of uh, carbon fiber and stuff like that. And then we get to watch all of that kind of transform into a helicopter and go in a kit box and go out the front door. And that's pretty cool. I mean, that. Yeah, that would be really cool. There's not many things, yeah, not many things in life that are as cool as that. So that being said, your this this gasser and these the whiplash in particular being this is your kind of your first big project as a designer and manufacturer. Are you excited to get this kit out into people's hands? Yeah, absolutely. I've been involved with miniature aircraft for a while, um, even before they they joined the Flyco group and came to Billings. Big Sky CNC used to make parts for miniature aircraft in Florida. Yeah, they've been making like open tail boxes for a Stratus for many, many years. So, so I've been involved with uh, the MA machines and um, and making helicopter parts for a long time. But um, but this is the first one where where I've I've got to see it from you know a blank SolidWorks screen all the way to helicopters that Bobby's ripping around the sky. That's that's pretty cool. It's it's exciting to get it. Uh, finished up and get it out there and yeah i look forward to seeing some of these on the flight line yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely it's not none of these three machines are just another 90 size helicopter there's something unique about each you know each one of them and and they look really cool so (laughs) can't beat that they do look good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do. They do look good, and I and I got to tell you though, and I actually talked to you about this a little bit. And uh, granted, I you know had a few beers that night, but the name, Whiplash, really. <laughs> <laughs> now you told me that uh, when I asked you, Bobby was actually standing across the table from us, uh, and when I asked you that question, you just pointed at him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just pointed at him. That, you know, you didn't really give me an indication of whether or not it was a name that you thought. You know, just if you think about some of the other MA kits, the, you know, the Fury, the the Furion, you know, the Spectra. They're just they're kind of epic sounding names. Whiplash doesn't really fall into that category of epic. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's. Uh... Um, it's different. I mean, if if nothing else, uh, you know, Whiplash is definitely different than than you know the history of miniature craft. So, yeah, you know, when I first heard the name, and I, I may have been talking to to Callum at the time, uh, maybe he remembers it. I don't remember who I was talking to, but when I first heard that name, I was like, oh my god, really? Who came up with that name? <laughs> but. You know, it's just like anything else that's growing on me, and, and it's, you know, it's certainly not as objectable as it was back when I first heard it, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah naming helicopters is, is really tough. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would challenge anybody to come up with a really cool name for a helicopter that everybody's going to like. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's just as bad as paint schemes, you know, the paint schemes are tough, too, because yeah, we can pick a paint scheme that we like, but whether the public's going to like it or not is a different thing. And, um, and it, everyone's so, a critic when they're not the one designing the product. 
It's almost like you need a focus True. group out there or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, call me next I, time. I'll be, I'll be your focus group next time. No, that's, that's not a good <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Names and paint schemes are, are tricky. It's, you know, it's one of those things. It doesn't matter what you pick. You could have the coolest name in the world and the coolest paint job in the world, and there'll be somebody somewhere that'll yeah. hit it. So, but people are going to start calling it the whippy. If they haven't already. Yeah. Yeah, no, they already have. Mostly yeah, in, mostly on the electric. The whiplash. I did a whippy. Kind of turns into whippy. <laughs> yeah. Come check out my whippy. Yeah. Check out my new whippy, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, if, if you buy a helicopter from us, you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> as, long as, the check, as long as the check clears, you can call it whatever you like. <laughs> so. I'm looking at the uh, the Furion Six, and I had to comment because when I first saw uh, this bird, the uh-huh. the first thing that that struck me about it was the frame. You know, I, I just got to give you guys kudos for the design on the frame on the Furion Six. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it's just you know I like how everything is so it's covered. I guess is the best way to describe it. You know, and yeah, uh, just very simple. I suppose, aside from there being so much more carbon fiber on a 90 size bird, from what I can see, from what the uh, what the whiplash looks like, it looks like it looks like it's it doesn't look a lot like this Fury. And I guess I was thinking there was going to be some sort of a trend that was starting to form between the Fury and then uh, maybe a, a larger version of that in electric or what. But. The frame on the electric, basically, what we did well, and I can't take a lot of credit for that because. Bobby really did most of the uh, the electric frame design kind of uh, on his own. He's got a huge amount more experience with electric, big electric stuff than I do. And really what what happened with that machine is basically found all the, the, the ideal spots to put all of the components and then drew the frame over top of that. You know, the, the Furion frame is nice, but with a 90 size and the bigger batteries, you just you can't run the batteries out front like that. It'll be way too nose heavy. So yeah. once you get the batteries where it balances, we did still keep the motor up on top. That was kind of an important thing because the Furion 6, the motor runs at decent temperatures due to the fact that it's on top. It's not buried down in the canopy. So right. it's got lots of airflow around it. So we kept that with the Whiplash Electric motors up on top. So by the time we got every, you know, all the components where they needed to be, we put a frame on top of it. It's not as curvy as the as the Furion, but it's the whole thing is structural. Um, yeah, it's very rigid still. Yeah, it's very rigid, and and protecting the expensive electronics is is another big point with Bobby. Um, there's nothing worse than smashing your helicopter and blowing out two batteries and a speed control in the process. So yeah. Um, so the frame really does protect all of that stuff. So it, it does have a little bit different look to it, but definitely for a reason. <laughs> I know you guys are kind of balls deep into the whiplash project, but uh, is there any anything else uh, on the plate? Or are you guys thinking about the next project yet? Or Um. Right now, kind of the big focus is to get the, all three whiplash models uh, finished up and sure. you know, in the kit boxes. Um, yeah. After that, uh, it's hard to say. You know, there's we definitely have lots and lots of ideas floating around about different projects, but uh, for the time being, 
um, you know, we'll just be pushing, pushing the whiplash out the door as fast as we can. Hi, my name is Casey Anthony, and when I listen to RC Helly Nation, it makes me feel like I'm getting away with murder. Anybody know a good nanny? So, again, Callum, thank you for your stellar contribution to that interview. Hey, anytime. You know, anytime you want my help, you just give me a bell and, you know, I'll come along. And Yeah, I was I was really tired that session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good excuse. Keep using it. I, hey, I was. I was, like, asleep. <laughs> that's, he's, he's one hell of a nice guy. I got to spend quite a bit of time chatting with him when I was at the Helipros Funfly. Hope to go back there here in a few weeks just to hang out with those guys. It was a lot of fun. So, glad to get that interview out there so you guys can kind of hear straight from the designer's mouth a little bit about the helicopter and uh, frankly i'm really looking forward to getting my hands on a gasser when they're when they're available yeah. they've had to push back as you know this this interview is a little dated um they've had to push back production you know initially they were hoping for a uh, june july-ish release now it's kind of starting to look like a or august september september i guess that'd be september october <laughs> since august is already coming gone your month counting is good it is good. I went to public high school. We can't help but get away from flybarless topics. It is so popular in the helicopters now that you can't help but not talk about it. And um, I hate to keep beating a dead horse because we do talk about B-Stacks quite a bit. And frankly, Rob and I have some experience with it. Callum has some B-Bar. And I do have some B-Bar experience, and none of it's good. Neither was my B-Stacks experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because... That's just because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No and admittedly, Callum, you know, I think if you, you know, if you know somebody that's that's flying V3, get a couple minutes on the stick to see if it feels different to you because there's a lot, a lot different to it. You know, I mean, stock. Yeah. Set, set everything stock on the V2 and fly it. Set everything stock on the V3 and fly it. It feels almost, pretty close to the same, but turn up some of those new parameters and it's a whole different animal. Yeah, I must admit, I am actually looking forward to actually trying V6 again. I'm going to give it another try, I think. Right, and that's kind of what I want to talk about for a little bit, because um, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I had v version 2 on my Vibe before the engine decided to go postal on me and break into a, a couple pieces. And I wasn't real happy with it, and I've kind of had that feeling every time I've tried Flybarless, whether it's the 3G, it's the V-Bar, or now the uh, the x version 2. I did start to feel more comfortable with it with the vibe as i was you know rob was kind of helping me through the this the tweaking process a little bit which isn't a big deal you just kind of need to have a little bit of direction and patience dan well and that's you know and i'm notorious for that and and rob and i've talked about this before when i plug something in i want it to work i i don't like to dick around with parameters and buttons and lights and I, I get pissy pretty quick with a product if it doesn't just work and you guys you guys can attest to that because i've had many conversations with both of you when it comes to that kind of shit mm-hmm. but on the same token this version three came out started reading some reviews on the heli freak and other forums and i found that people were really happy with it so i initially as i mentioned i was not going to update I was going to let 
in particular, Rob kind of messed with it, see what he thought. Uh, got in touch with him shortly after you did it, Rob. I think it was the like next morning or something. I was on the phone with you, and you were like, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta update because yeah. it's really, it's really that much better." So I went ahead and, and even that during that process, I was getting pissy. Was I not, Rob? Yes, you were because you weren't being patient. <laughs> I wasn't. I couldn't get the goddamn dongle to work, and it was pissing. It was, it was just pissing me off. Got it to work. Got it updated. Slapped it on the X5. The first pack, I noticed the difference, and I didn't do anything other than just the basic setup. I got six degrees and blue without having to mess with any linkages or change any swash balls out. Put it in the air. Had to mess with the tail gain a little bit to get the tail. And I'm telling you, the tail right now is just as good or not, maybe even a little bit better than any gyro I've ever ever flown, including the, the Spartans and and uh, various other gyros that I've tried. And I am just loving the piss out of this version 3. I find that it was so incredibly easy once I got past the initial setup process. Half hour, half hour, and I'm done. And I'm just, I'm just flying it. I'm just flying it. It's just in the air, and it's flying. I don't have to dick with anything, and I'm really enjoying it. What are your thoughts, Rob? I think it sucks. <laughs> it's meh. It's it's mediocre. It's kind of fair to mid. <laughs> fair yeah. to midland, dude. I mean, I like it. You know, and, and I had your, you know, that V bar. You sent me your V bar for a little bit to try, so you didn't, mm-hmm. you know, crush it, you know, or use it for a doorstop or something. Use it for a doorstop, exactly. <laughs> but you know, and I didn't get a chance to put that on at that other fun fly. I was just, you know, and to be perfectly honest, the reason why is I kept mm-hmm. looking at it in my box, going. I should just drop that on my helicopter. I had already downloaded the V-Stabby software and stuff, you know, and then uh, hook it up and calibrate it and read the directions and change the settings and then adjust my geometry and then test fly it, do the auto-tune hover, come back, tweak my gains a little bit more, figure out bank switching and go back out for a test flight. And, you know, by the time I got it to where I was actually enjoying flying it i would have spent the whole day messing with it, it, it with the with the beast x even the first time i messed with it you know and and i've set up quite a few of them so today i can like when i did version three and and when you upgrade to version three all the settings you know you got to start over right you got to redo your setup which is really easy you're just telling you know telling the thing 200 hertz on the swash servos 333 hertz on the tail servo here's my endpoints here's the directions you know what i mean very easy steps right but so it's no big deal to start from scratch but I sat here while I was watching Everybody Loves Raymond or some show. I don't know what was on the background. With it sitting on my coffee table, just beep, 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 and I was done. You know, set my cell phone on the blades because I use the, I got this digital pitch uh, software. It's called RC Heli Pitch. It's an Android app. Um, mm-hmm. Pop it right and- on and, and do all my uh, my measurements. I didn't have to mechanically change anything from V2. And the next day I was out flying, dude, and I didn't. I didn't have to change anything from where I set it that night while I was watching TV, and I haven't changed it since, and it just flies like butter. Yeah. And that app, by the way, we'll have a link to that because it's also an iPhone app. I have the same thing. Yeah, it's a cool app. Yeah. I like the little gadgets part, and I played with it once, and it actually is accurate where you yeah. can uh, take a picture of your helicopter from the side with, like, full pitch with your blades folded so it looks like a scissors. Mm-hmm. And then on your phone basically play connect the dots with the tip of your blades in your head to make the triangle 
and then software will figure out the they'll do all the trig for you and it'll figure out what what degrees you got for pitch pretty cool oh, wow really yeah yeah that's a pretty neat little pretty neat little thing all right we have a new segment it's not going to be a recurring segment because i just don't know how often things like this are going to pop up but we're for now we're just going to call it something simple we're going to call it the mystery problem. So mystery problem. The hard part for this is obviously this is this is an audio format. So we're gonna have to we're gonna do two things. We're gonna post all these pictures that I'm about to send to Rob and Callum on the forum, and then they're gonna try to explain what they see to the best of their ability. Then they're gonna take a look. And they're gonna try to explain what's causing it, and not and then after that they're gonna try to explain. A solution. I've sent Rob and Callum two links, and they're going to open them momentarily. But let me give you a little bit of background. It's on the Gowie X5. The only change I've made since I flew it last and did not have this problem was I switched to a 15-tooth pinion. Now, I did have to modify the pinion a little bit, and I sent both of you a picture. Well, maybe I didn't send one to Callum, but I did send one to Rob. And essentially what I did is I chucked up the, the pinion because it was rubbing on the crossmember underneath the main shaft or the main gear. So yeah. I had to I had to create a little room, plenty of room on the pinion, uh, to still grab the whole uh, main gear without any problems. It's an Outrage Fusion yeah. 50 uh, 15 tooth pinion. So that's the only change that I've made to the helicopter. So go ahead and open the links. Okay. Rob, why don't you try to explain what you're seeing on the first picture in particular? Okay. Yeah, I see it. Okay. So what do you see? What are you looking at? It's a picture of your tail boom, and I can see the boom supports behind it. And judging by where I see the blades folded back, it's about halfway, just over halfway down the boom, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. the second picture is closer to the tail box, mm -hmm. looking at the underside of the tail box. Both of these pictures are underneath where the pushrod guide is at, mm -hmm. or I mean the pushrod itself, the tail pushrod is. Mm -hmm. And I think I have a diagnosis of what that is. That I'm but what do you, so the listeners can understand, what, what are you seeing on the boom? What I'm is seeing, happening? The boom is black, and I'm seeing what looks like a mark of some kind yes. on the boom well, itself. What you're seeing is a rub mark that is approximately 3 centimeters wide and 10 centimeters long on the proximal end of the boom. Yeah. On the distal end of the boom, you're seeing another rub mark, which is considerably smaller, 1 millimeter by maybe 3 millimeters and it's directly under the control rod. Now, I know that obviously it's the control rod making that mark. But the mystery to me is it takes a considerable amount of force to make that control rod actually touch the boom. So what's your diagnosis? I, Well, looking at it, I've had like a, a similar problem like that, only it was the the rod guide that was vibrating in flight, causing it to move, and uh, obviously wear a paint on the boom. Mm -hmm. um, however, I don't see any guides on this boom, whether they're positioned or you've took them off. No, no, they're there, and there's you see the one guide which is attached to the horizontal fin. That's that's like a permanent, uh, it's, it's built into that plastic piece that wraps around the boom. The other guide is is about uh, looking at it uh, eight or so inches forward of that, but it is super glued. It is CA'd to the boom, so it can't move. Mm. And it's electric as well. So. It's an electric electric helicopter, yeah. Mm. Wow. 
You've raked your helicopter too hard. Yeah. <laughs> did I just hover? Did I just hover the piss out of that thing just too much? <laughs> too much. No, I'm wondering. Is this something that happened in flight? It did happen in flight. Okay. Vibrations. This is the only thing I could think of that would cause this. Now, a solution to this problem. What What would you think the solution to this problem would be? Nail down the vibration. No, tape it down. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. <laughs> well I'd, I'd find the source of the vibration and try and eliminate it as best as possible. If that uh-huh. can't be done, probably get some more rod guides on there. Yeah. I have, uh, I actually showed this problem to an engineer that flies at our field today. And he looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and saw it fly, saw that there's no tail fin vibrations that are, I mean, the tail fin is solid. The helicopter itself is just as stable and the, the beast X isn't, isn't reacting to any vibrations. Here's what he came up with. And let me see if you guys agree with this. And Keep in mind, he's a, he's a planker. He doesn't do helicopters. But he has decided that the problem is he's thinking resonating vibration. He is thinking that I spaced my rod guides in such a fashion that the resonating vibration that just happens from anything that moves, anything that moves is going to get a resonating vibration. And I just happened to put those tail control guides in such a position that would amplify that resonating vibration to the point where it's actually going in a circular motion. And as it, it comes to the top of the circle, of course, it comes in contact with the boom and just continues around. Sure, like yeah, a that's possible. That's plausible. And I've seen it. I've, I've seen cases and reports of it. And I've seen a video of that actually happening. So a solution. Okay, obviously, the one solution would be to move that and, and test it out. But he, he had an idea, and I think I might try it first. He told me to take a quarter inch of fuel tube, slice it, put it on the control rod, roughly in the area of that vibration, CA it onto the control rod, and he said that should add enough weight to decrease that resonating vibration, and that problem should go away. And he said on the plus side, it's going to give you a little bit of buffer to keep it from rubbing on the thing on the boom. What do you guys think about I think, yeah, that would solve, I think that would probably fix it, but I also wouldn't, I wouldn't like that to be the conclusion because if you were to ask around and see if other fusion uh, pilots having the same problem. And X5. Uh, uh, sorry, the X5 having the, um, the problem. Um, and if they are, then seeing what they're doing to resolve it. If not, then I'll conclude that something else is causing the factor. Um, I mean, having that kind of vibration, you know, you don't know what's going to cause other things to to come loose or, or fail prematurely. Um, I'll try and find out what's causing it to vibrate. But if you consider it this way, Callum, if it's a resonating vibration, that means it's a naturally occurring vibration. No. Mm-hmm. N- not necessarily. No, it's not, Dan. It's it's the when it when it, the what we're t- the type of vibrations that we're talking about is slightly different than an object all by itself sitting idle and being influenced by something not touching it from the outside, causing it to resonate, that's different than an amalgam of a bunch of parts together interacting with each other and creating resonances, right? So that's, I mean, my tail push rod doesn't do that. 
yours is the only one I've ever seen that does that. So there's some other influence that's causing that to happen. Now, things that could be different could be simple things like where are the push rod guides located? You know, the whole story about torque tubes, you know, when you've got two bearings on a torque tube, you never evenly space them because that same thing will happen to your whole tail. You space them off so all three of the segments that you have between the two bearings are slightly different in length. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at by a naturally occurring vibration. So when you have this moving part, do you, have any of you guys ever played a guitar? Yeah. Yeah. You can you can create a natural harmonic. The sound from that natural harmonic doesn't happen from the the point that you're actually gently touching the string. It happens from the naturally occurring vibrations that happen on either end of the string. Right. Right. So what's what I the way I'm gathering it, and I like I said, I know nothing about nothing, so I can be way off base. But what I'm gathering is based on where I have the tail rod guide. Where is that's, it anyway? By the way, I know you've got the one that's on the boom struts. Or, I mean, mm -hmm. the boom supports. Where's the other one? Is it between that and the tailbox, or is it between the boom supports and the frame? Well, okay, coming out of the out of the back of the, the helicopter. Here, here's the problem. I'm looking at it now, and and I and I see where I possibly messed this up because if you look, if you look at this, I inadvertently placed this tail control rod almost dead center. On the boom, yeah, okay. Between between this horizontal fin pushrod guide, yeah, and the end end where the boom goes into the tail into the helicopter. So yeah, okay. So if this starts to vibrate and it's and it's in that perfect position, those vibrations will start to amplify during flight. So you would think the theory would be if you took that push that middle pushrod guide and slid it forwards or backwards an inch or two in either direction, it would thwart it. It would stop it from happening. That's that's my guess. But the, but the problem is, is I have this thing C8 on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's obviously something that I could fix. I mean, I, it's not that, that you know I could get that off and move it. That's not a problem. But anyway, I thought it was just an interesting interesting yeah. thing because I've, I've never, in any of my helicopters, I've never seen anything like this. In fact, it really kind of, I was just kind of doing an after- uh, flight inspection and it caught my eye and I was like what the hell is going on and and the the friend of mine who's the engineer he was standing right next to me and and uh it really piqued his interest as well if you happen to run across any issues let us know and we'll discuss it we'll bring you on the show and we'll see if uh Robin Callum can come up with a solution what do you yeah. think about this Dan if somebody like a RC Heli Nation user emails one of us any one of us three maybe or just in the on the website or something posts a mystery diagnosis with a couple of pictures and just enough information to describe what the pictures are in and then lets us try to guess what the problem is right and the solution that's, if that's we're a great wrong, idea. if we're wrong then that person gets a t-shirt very good excellent idea we'll see if rob and callum can figure it out if try they and can't stump us. Yep. if you can stump rob and callum you get a shirt. That sounds <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. You'll easily be able to stop me because I I don't know shit about shit. Hoop <laughs> anyway. is cryptic, dude. Hoop <laughs> is cryptic. Sometimes you look down and it's gone. You didn't flush. So it's kind of like the tea leaves. Sometimes it tells you the story. You just <laughs> gotta pay attention. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a few things I want to talk about again about the webpage. Um, How about we talk about talking about stuff? Because you say that all the time. 
Are you mocking me? <laughs> Man, I'm just mocking the shit out of you. <laughs> to get in touch with us, we all are at our emails here, which would be Dan, Rob, or Callum at rchelynation.com. Rob also has his own thing going on with his uh, front porch, where he has some uh, excellent advice on the Beast X and various other Gowie products. Callum also has his webpage. It's um, callumhelly.co.uk. Yeah, check that out. Learn a little bit about Callum. See what he's up to. He's got a little blog on there. Talks about his various experiences and whatnot. Uh, some of them sexual, some of them not. Oh, yeah. Well, most of them are not, actually. <laughs> have, a, have a good one. Bye, guys.